0: Welcome to The Leader's Notebook with Dr. Mark Rutland. Dr. Rutland is a world-renowned leadership expert. He is a New York Times best-selling author, and he has served as the president of two universities. The Leader's Notebook is brought to you by Global Servants. For more information about Global Servants, please visit our website, globalservants.org. Here is your host, Dr. Mark Rutland.
1: Sometimes it's important, especially on special occasions, an anniversary, a birthday, it's important to just stop, pause, and think back. Just look back over your life and see what God has done. And sometimes it's important to share that with someone who made the journey with you. Hello, I'm Mark Rutland. Welcome to The Leader's Notebook. I'm so glad that you've joined us for this episode of this podcast. At the end of the podcast, I want you to stay tuned. We have a very special offer to celebrate this day with you. This is the one-year anniversary of the podcast. It's certainly not the one-year anniversary of my life, which is 73 years, or my ministry, which is 53 years, but uh, it is a special anniversary of the Leader's Notebook. And I also want to give you a little bit of a statistical report on the progress of the Leader's Notebook. We're pleased, and uh, the people at the platform where we uh, post the Leader's Notebook, they're very pleased. So, We're averaging about 3,000 downloads a month, 36,000 a year. That would translate to, obviously. And so far, 62 different countries. They tell us, those who claim to know these things, tell us that puts the Leader's Notebook in the top 1% of podcasts. So I want to thank you for your participation in the Leader's Notebook. I also want to invite you to let other people know about it. Let's um, see what we can do in year number two. Maybe we can uh, take that up into the top half percent. And I'm grateful for this. I I was slow to start a podcast. I just wasn't sure about the medium. I didn't quite understand what it was supposed to be like, but uh, the young people around me told me I needed to do it. I've enjoyed taping these and uh, recording them and and I am delighted with the response. And I'm, I want to thank you for your response on this one-year anniversary of The Leader's Notebook. And today, we begin a very special two-part series on The Leader's Notebook. And I have a very special guest with me. This is our son, Travis Rutland. You noticed I said, our son, <laughs> Uh, My wife always berates me because I say, my son. She says, you sound like I was an innocent bystander. (laughs) So this is our son, Travis Rutland. He's the pastor at Restoration Church in Bethlehem, Georgia, and the president of Global Servants. Travis, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Dad. I'm excited to be here. We're going to just talk today. This is going to be Mark Rutland and Travis Rutland unscripted, and I mean totally unscripted. That's true. (laughs) Travis uh, sat down in the studio with me and said, now what are we going to do? And I said, just watch. It'll be fun. Well, Travis, uh, you've uh, got your hands full. You're the lead pastor of a church, a growing church. Yeah. Um, you had more than seven hundred people on Easter Sunday. Yeah, we did. It was a wonderful, wonderful Sunday
0: uh, e- or Easter weekend with Good Friday and three different services on Sunday morning. And uh, it's it's growing, and uh, people continue to come back as we sort of work our way back to normal in all aspects of life, including church. And uh, it's it's going well. I've been I've been there at Restoration now for about six and a half years. So,
1: and you've uh, you took over a small church, hundred and thirty or forty people something like that with a million dollar debt.
0: Yes, 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 so debt and and um you know there's when in, in any transition you have folks that say well this maybe isn't the church for me anymore and so you're trying to replace the folks That are leaving as fast as you can, and so you know you you, often you don't see the type of growth that you'd like to see right off the bat, just because it's it's hard to get the back door closed. You've got the front door as wide as you can, but it's hard to get the back door closed. But we've solidified and um we've uh, we've we've um, paid off quite a bit of our debt, and we had a kind of an odd financing thing at the church that we've resolved. We've taken ownership of our financing, and uh, the church is continuing to grow, and I love it, and the people love me, and and that's. You know, that's about all you can ask for out of ministry. Oh so. <laughs> my son, that's
1: you're way ahead of the average. <laughs> Absolutely, and uh, back up to about eighty seven percent of your pre COVID numbers.
0: Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So we've seen good, good return, and 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 people coming back, and even just at Easter, I saw like two different couples that I hadn't seen literally in a year so you know we've been communicating with them call them on the phone things like that but uh, but they actually came back to church for the first time in um, almost twelve months so so we're continuing to see good growth and and we're about 85 to ninety percent of our attendance is is back which um I've been you know I've been excited it's wonderful.
1: that's it you're way ahead of the national yeah. average yeah um most churches are considering it. Uh, extraordinary if they're between 50 and 60%. Yeah. A lot of churches are still at 30% of their pre COVID numbers. Sure. Uh, but eighty-five to ninety percent at this stage—that's that's really wonderful. Thanks be to God.
0: Absolutely, it, God has just blessed us uh, wonderfully and dramatically and and generously over the last six and a half years, and I'm I'm thrilled to just play a small part in all that God is doing at Restoration Church.
1: You know, I I think back uh, to when uh, you came to me and said you thought God was calling you to that church. Uh, you were the uh, national communications director for a, a denomination. You had a correct office in the general headquarters in yeah. Oklahoma City, right yeah. across the hall from the general overseer, the the bishop. That's right. And uh, you said you were going to move to Georgia and take this little church with a million dollar debt. And I just yeah. said, "Oh, Travis, I, that's that's a mistake." <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it's yeah, it was it was um. You know it was interesting in the beginning there were these things that we discovered uh that you know after we had gotten there that things that we had bills bills that we didn't know about until I got there and things like that but uh but the people have been wonderful and the leadership uh, the 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 board and the the staff have been so great and as as difficult as some of my previous pastoral uh, experiences have been. This one has been the exact opposite. It's been wonderful, and and I know that not all pastors always get that at every place, myself included. And and so when that does happen, I, I think you have to be extremely grateful uh, for all that God has done on your behalf, and He certainly has helped us. So. And
1: I'm grateful for it too, Travis. Well, I. I I'm going to only admit for a couple more years that I tried to talk you out of going to that church. <laughs> the more successful it becomes, as soon as you pass 1,000 on Easter That's Sunday, right. mm-hmm. I'm going to claim it was my and idea. Your idea the whole time. <laughs> you
0: had to talk me into it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I'm so um, interested to talk to you. I want to talk to you a little bit about preaching. Okay. Because of all the things, you are a gifted pastor. Your people love you. Uh we attend there. I guess I'm the worst member any pastor could ever ask for because I'm always on the road. But right. uh, Allison is there basically every Sunday. Mom,
0: yep, every Sunday. Teaches a Sunday school class, too.
1: And uh, and uh, what I hear the most from her, from your other church members, is, is your uh, anointed preaching. They love you as a pastor and a person. Courtney, your wife, our, our precious daughter-in-law, is... Um, so beloved there and everything. But what I hear the most about is your preaching. And I want to tell you what uh, one of the men in your church told me the other day, and I I want your response. Okay. So he was telling me what a great preacher you were, and then he said, I want to tell you what I like the best. He said, when I heard he was Mark Rutland's son, I thought, oh, we're just going to get, you know, Mark Rutland 2.0. And he said, I want to tell you something, Dr. Rutland. He has found his own voice. Mm. I I loved that. Yeah. How do you respond to that?
0: Yeah, I, I think that is that is true. It's something I've worked at for a long time, and and I think it's difficult of of any person that I would imitate or or emulate. It would certainly be you. I should I, hope I, so. <laughs> I hope it. Would I be. would. I would. I probably. I've probably heard you preach more than any person alive, including mom. Uh, But we traveled together for years and years and years without mom. So I I think probably, and I listened to Back, back in the day and showing our age, but I used to listen to all your cassette tapes when I was working, not the president of Global Servants, but when I was um, the head of the media for Global Servants and we were changing the cassette tapes to CDs and all the VHS tapes that became DVDs and all those things. I've listened to those sermons. I edit. I used to edit them for the radio broadcast. And so I, I would think that I've probably listened to you preach more than anybody else in the entire world, I would think. so. I, I feel like I should apologize. <laughs> so, it i do think that it is important to i think that there are things that you can pull from any pastor mm. or preacher that you listen to but I, I do think it is vital to find your own voice you don't want to be you don't want to be telling somebody else's stories right. now sometimes i i tell something that happened to you i've heard it and it's 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 it is your story but i i i tell that but i think it's important to find your own voice in how you approach preaching, how, what is your, you know, I know that you share all these things maybe on the podcast and I know you do at the NICL, but finding your, your point of, your point of view, finding how you preach, what your, you know, what the takeaway is, all those kinds of things. And I think it's really important to, to, to discover your own voice, but also allow those influences to come through. I mean, I, I've, I very much preach how you preach. I have I work hard to find good introductions, to find a good closing. I usually have three points, you know, and and I think that those are all things that I learned from from you and hearing you teach and watching you preach and how to structure your sermons. But within those broad guidelines, you have to be able to find you have the framework, but you have to be able to find the specifics that work for
1: for your voice and and your
0: You know your point of view.
1: Evidently, you've really found that. I uh, I take for example, I was preaching in Texas. I called Allison after the service, and she just went on and on. Oh, the sermon was great. She told me the points. (laughs) Everything was great. I flew back Sunday night, and my Lyft driver. Yeah, goes to your church, right? Right. And so for forty-five minutes, I heard the same <laughs> stuff over again. I thought, well, I'm really getting pretty sick of hearing how great he is. <laughs> right. Well, you know, one
0: thing I, I'm sure that you've talked about it uh, in in when you share about preaching. I I really preach in series, and that that has been the most important thing to me at a at a local church level because uh, I don't know how many churches are doing a Sunday night anymore. But I have to produce for lack of a better word, I have to produce two brand new messages every single week, every Sunday morning, every Wednesday night. And it, it never stops. As, as good as Sunday morning was, Wednesday's coming. And as great as Wednesday might be, Sunday's coming mm, again. Mm, and, mm. and I just think that it's really you really, really put yourself in a difficult place if you haven't plotted those out. I try to be six months ahead. Perfect. So I know everything that I'm preaching between for, you know, the next several months and I'm working now to finish the remainder of this year. So that way, otherwise you're staring at a computer screen at seven o'clock on a Saturday night, trying to figure out what in the world you're going to talk about the next day. And I, I guess I could do that, but but it would it would be really nerve wracking and I, I think that I would be doing my people a discredit by trying to just do that every every Saturday
1: night. You would absolutely be doing them a discredit and and I will tell you and I'll tell those that are listening, your people can tell. Yes. People can tell whether you work at this. And you have business people in your church that get up every morning, go to work five, six days a week. And they work at what they do, and they deserve to hear someone preach on Sunday morning that has worked at what he does. Absolutely. I, I wish I could remember the name of
0: it, but I, I heard an interview with a, a classical pianist one time, and he said, if I don't practice for one day, I can tell. He said, if I don't practice for two days, my wife can tell. He says, if I don't practice for a week, the whole world can tell. Wow. And that's a really important thing to remember. You, the, the people in our church work hard, and, and I think we, we owe them...
1: The same respect that's wonderful. that is great. I wish every preacher in the world and i and I'm sure they do work hard, but I wish they would understand the 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 work, the intellectual, emotional, and spiritual work that goes into producing yeah. a structured, organized well illustrated and impactful sermon Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, yeah. and there's a lot of work on the front end.
0: You come up with the i I, I try to come up with the idea for the for a series, so Right now, um, I'm doing a series on meals in the Bible, both Old and New Testament. A lot of times, I'll use a series uh, title that is appealing or interesting to the people in my church. So, the name of this series is "Diners, Drive-ins, and Dives." Oh, it's, yeah, it's from that television a show. network. So, All it's right. from a food network show. So, I'm calling it that, but it's about meals in the Bible. Mm, so, mm. I did that. I look at my calendar. Um, you see how many, how many weeks I'm going to do that. Then we go through. I find meals that we want to talk about, uh, both Old and New Testament. You plug that in. So there's a lot of work on the front end, but that relieves you of the intense pressure that you feel on a Friday or Saturday, knowing that Sunday is coming. Because to be honest, 80% of that is done. You've already got your scripture reference. You already know what you're preaching on. It's a meal from, from this chapter. It, it's you know, this is a, it's the, the meal on the road to Emmaus. For example, I'm going to do mm. that in a few weeks. Mm. So it's it's the the meal in Emmaus, Jesus meeting those guys on the road to Emmaus. So we know what the series is, we know what the individual sermon is, we know what the idea behind that is. That's it's not going to be, you know, if you're preaching on that, you're going to ha- probably have something specific to say as opposed to if you're preaching on Moses or or Abraham or something like that. So you know that general idea of where the sermon's going to go, and it it for me at least um, relieves a lot of pressure. Um, because of so much of the work has been
1: done ahead of time. That's wonderful. Let's, let me uh, turn it, though, and ask you about from the listener's point of view. Yeah. Uh, here, it seems to me this would be an, another challenge in preaching in series, and that is, what about the guy who comes to number two and number six? Right. Uh, can, can you somehow make a series that's comprehensive in total but each one is a standalone sermon. Can you do that?
0: Yes, and that's a great point. Um, I try to do that with most of them. Some of them lend themselves, um, for example, example, at the beginning of this year, we opened the year, I did a whole series on the Apostles' Creed. Good. Okay, so those are going to connect more because the Apostles' Creed connects more, as opposed to the series I'm currently doing on meals in the Bible. Those are much more standalone because this is a meal uh, that— Jesus had. And this is a meal that Elijah had. And this is a meal to talk about Jacob and uh, Esau. Mm. Uh, So, so, so these are some different, you know, meals. And, and so I think that those can be standalone. And I think that's important to, okay, if this guy only shows up for sermon number three, can I still make it relevant to him? And that's that's where you do the work the week of, mm. where you're talking about your point of view, and you're talking about your takeaway, and you're talking about you know, what, what, am I going to do an altar call or not? Is there going to be a call to to receive you know salvation or be filled with the Holy Spirit? Is this a sermon on forgiveness? So we're going to do an altar call for forgiveness, and I think you work out the the of the of that particular
1: thing the week of. Wonderful, wonderful. So, um. Let's let's talk about the turnaround itself. Uh, as you know, I wrote a whole book, a New York Times bestseller, on relaunch, on turnaround leadership. Sure. And uh, I remember when you were going to take this church, I, I just said, Travis, this church just looks to me like it's 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 a dead end. And I remember you you said to me, Dad, this is how you brought me up. You're mm-hmm. to blame for this. You right. Said, <laughs> you said, right. <laughs> All I've seen you do is turnarounds. Right. But watching one. And doing one is a different deal, isn't it? Sure, absolutely, absolutely. What kinds of what kinds of things uh, did you find to be particularly important to begin to turn that ship? What was the some of the things you did right at the beginning?
0: Sure. And again, uh, your your experience is at is at much bigger churches and major universities and things. But for guys that are listening that are at a church of a few hundred, th- this is at least what worked good for me. Good. Um, one is. I made it we, we decided to be intentional that we were going to be a community church, and I don't mean that in the sense of a denomination. I mean that we wanted to be present in our community. Mm. Previous it, it was really um it was really what I you know how they call some schools that don't have dormitories, they call them commuter schools. right. We were very much a commuter church. Ah. The church, about a year before, had moved locations. They were in one town. They in rented facilities. They had purchased a property and moved there. The problem was none of the people that went to church lived in that new town. Ah. We had moved to a new town about 15 minutes away. And some of the folks were coming, or most of the folks, were coming from that town Driving up they on Sunday. Still making the drive. Making the drive. Mm. And then doing church on Sunday morning and going home. So we didn't have much of a presence in our local community in Bethlehem, Georgia, Winder, that area. And so we made it intentional to do more in the neighborhoods to make ourselves more known. We do work in the local housing authorities. We 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 do more outreaches. We uh, participate in the local um, fall festivals and things like that because we Christmas we, parade. We, I remember Christmas, you had a float in the Christmas yeah, parade. Yes, a float in the Christmas parade, things like that to make yourself more part of the community. Mm. And, and I think that's, and we also built community. Um, at the church. You know, there wasn't uh there wasn't discipleship programs happening wh- whether that looks like Sunday school or life groups or whatever form that takes that wasn't really happening. We we do um we do a couple of picnics every year. You've been to a lot of those Memorial right. Day, Labor Day. We do stuff of uh, family water night during the summer where we rent inflatable slides and you know, water slides and let the kids go down them. So not only do you have to be present in your broader community, I think you also have to build community within the church. The more connected people are to other people, the less likely they are to leave that church.
1: Mm, that's great. And so
0: I think community, both within our walls and with and outside of our walls, was an important um, aspect to um, the church making the turnaround and and growing and 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 I think that was an important aspect. Well, you idea. certainly
1: you certainly have begun the turn. I mean, um, you've m- more well over doubled. The church. Since you came there, your yeah. finances have made a dram- dramatic yes. turn. Yes, uh, th- that was the thing I think I was the most worried about. You were hanging by a thread in terms of revenue, but then you had this million dollar debt hanging over yes. this tiny little church. So I'm, I'm thrilled with what God has done to help you turn that financial situation. Absolutely, around. the finances. God has really
0: blessed us, and it was it was very um, it, it was a little nervous for the first uh, let's say. Almost two years that I was there, and the last four years, God has blessed us. We've we've finished in the black those four years. The people have been generous. Uh, God has moved, and so it's but it's been wonderful. And I, I think that that idea of of finances, I, I don't know what to put that down to other than just trusting God. And and we we make um we receive the offering a little differently. You know that because you've been mm-hmm. with us. We yes. receive it during um. During praise and worship, and we make it part of the praise and worship. I say it every Sunday that giving is worship, and worship is giving. And I think too many churches, because they feel pastors feel uncomfortable about receiving an offering, they they put it at the end, like, hey, you know, uh, on on your way out, you know, if you want to put some checks in the in the boxes at the back. I'm not saying that's bad. I'm not calling anybody out. I've got plenty of my own problems to deal with. I'm just saying that we've been more intentional, not about making people feel bad, like you have to give or we're going under. What we've done is be intentional about making it about giving and making the giving about worship. Mm. That this is how we this is how we worship. We worship with our tithes and offerings. We worship with our time, we worship with our talents, we worship with our gifts, and, and I think that that has helped our finances a lot in that, you know, I, I honestly, um, I don't preach on giving hardly ever. I don't do series on giving, I don't do individual sermons on giving. Instead, we have a little giving talk. I come up and do that during, um, during the praise and worship, and then we sing a final song and the people can give. And, and I think that's been an important aspect to finances is, is making it part of worship and Maybe that'll work for
1: somebody listening. All right, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the in, the internal pastor, especially in stressful times. So let's go back to those first two years, okay? Yeah. When uh, when it, it it was looking dark and you you yes. weren't sure what was going to happen, so you pull up in that parking lot on Sunday morning and you and you find yourself counting the cars. Right. Okay. Sure. How, how did you deal with it? How did you get on past that? What happened inside of Travis Rutland uh, that that got you through that part? You internally, yeah. not not the turnaround in the church.
0: No, I understand. Sure, um, I, I think one is um, there are ways in which you and I are wired similarly. I think, and one of the things is I just I, I, there are ways in which you you just have to grind it out a little bit, mm. and and that's not glamorous and it's not sexy mm. but you have to say to yourself i'm just going to grind and and uh, i learned that in sports you're you're you, neither one of us very talented in sports but both of us played sports and how you I learned how you get on the court in basketball is you've got to find something and just do it better than everybody else. And I couldn't score and I couldn't shoot. What I could do was box out. What I could do was get rebounds. And what I could do is commit five really hard borderline illegal fouls. And so so that's that's how I got on the floor. <laughs> you you <laughs> so, were the you were the team bully. <laughs> that's exactly right. But but that's how I got on the floor. And so I, I think some of it is you just have to grind. You have to trust that God's gonna bring that blessing but you, you, you just got to keep moving forward. Um, the other thing I, I do believe is is allowing God to speak to you and show you and, uh, and trusting God in moments that don't make a lot of sense. So, uh, here's, so let me tell you two, two quick stories. We basically, 18 months after I got to the church, we were broke. When I say broke I mean we did not have any money in the in the general operating budget. However, the church had previously saved money that they had designated for the building fund. So we had a week where we had to pay salaries out of the building fund. Mm. Now we could kept track of that and we paid the money back if anybody from the IRS is listening. We we did everything oh, legal and and ethical. Yeah, yeah
1: that's internal finance. We had to you we had to pay back. the salaries yeah. out
0: of the thing. So the next week I had a board meeting and um, and I went to the board and I said, guys, we paid salaries out of the building fund last week. And I said, we're going to pay salaries out of the building fund again this week. I said, what are we supposed to do? And we prayed about it and we talked about it. And we thought, you know, maybe I should go in the pulpit that Sunday and tell people, hey, if if we don't get an extra big, if you can give something additional, if you can do something additional and um, and... We prayed about it, and we felt like all of us in that board, about five guys in that room, me and the board members, we felt like we were supposed to just step back, take our hands off of it, and just let God do it. And I felt like God told me that week, if if you talk about this and make a request for funds and do anything, then it's not going to be a miracle. But if you don't talk about it, wow. if you don't mention it, when I move, it's going to be a miracle. Now, That is very scary.
1: That is scary. When I say
0: broke, I mean zero money in the checking account. Wow. So you're paying salaries at a building fund. Well, that's a finite amount as well. (laughs) Yes, That's going to run dry too. Yes. And God says, don't do anything. Take your hands off of it and watch what I'm going to do. And that Sunday, we had a tremendous offering. That month, we finished in the black. The next month, we finished in the black. We finished the year in the black which was probably not going to happen when that happened. And we finished every subsequent year in the black. Praise God. Praise God. And that's what it looks like. Mm. I, I, that's, that's what it looks like, mm. is you just have that moment where you have to walk out what you preach on every Sunday. And I think that preachers are notoriously bad at that. Mm. We, we, we talk about God moving, we talk about God providing, but we, we always want to put our hands on it. If I can preach better, if I can lead better, then this church would grow. And we do everything we can. We grind, we work hard, but ultimately you got to leave that stuff up to God.
1: Yeah. If you take personal responsibility for the outcome of the church, if the results are your personal responsibility, two things can go wrong. One is if it goes really well, you can take the credit. Look what I did. Look how great I am. Look how great I am. (laughs) And if it goes really badly, you get under the load of depression and self-accusation. I'm a failure. I'm a loser. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So the safeguard against that, do the best you can. Work as hard as you can. Put your shoulder to the wheel and the nose to the grindstone. Do the work. Grind it out. I like what you said. But- leave the results to God, and then the glory
0: is God's. Absolutely. The stuff that preachers obsess about the most is the stuff we have the least amount of control over. Wow. We got to let it go. Wow. I can't control how many people come. I can't control how many of those people give. I can't control how many folks show up. I can't control that kind of stuff, money and numbers and and how big the build. None of that God God's in control of all that. But the, the problem is the things that we obsess over the most, <laughs> we actually
1: can control the least. That that is a tremendous <laughs> thought. That's beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. You know, I I pastored uh, early on uh, before you were born and right when you were a baby, I pastored um I remember when you were uh about 4 we lived i uh, a I was a Methodist minister of course in those days and we lived in a parsonage right straight across the street and um we were walking over to the church one day you were a sweet little guy holding my hand and I said um I said what do you want to be when you grow up Travis and you mm-hmm. said I I want to be a preacher daddy just like you want to be a preacher and I said oh that's wonderful Travis will you will you let me come and preach and you said, no, but I'll let you take the offering. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I
0: love it. I love it.
1: <laughs> so uh, you do let me come and preach occasionally at, uh, at Restoration Church, and and uh, I think one time you let me take yes, the offering. Yes, I think so.
0: That's exactly right.
1: <laughs> Travis, uh, I'm really proud of you and uh, proud of what's happening, and I'm proud of Jesus for what's been the turnaround at Restoration Church and how God is using you and uh, your precious wife. And I, I'm grateful that you're my pastor. I'm grateful that you're my wife's pastor. It's, it's very humbling for, for us and, and uh, a great blessing. I've always said that when I was in all the years I was in evangelism, the easiest job in the kingdom is an evangelist. You just need three good sermons and a fast car. Right, right. The hardest job in the, in the ministry is, is the local pastor. To Agreed. do it Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, uh, I, I, we're about ready to close. We just got a few seconds here, but uh, you you gave me a quote one time from the the comedian, um, not, not Bill Murray. Oh, uh, Steve Martin. Steve Martin. Yeah. And yeah. I used that quote actually in a book I wrote. Yeah. But would would you just share what he had to say because it it, it really speaks to something in the ministry. Yeah. It it was not.
0: He's written several books. It was not his autobiography. It was another book where he really talked about his stand-up comedy. Most people now only know Steve Martin as an actor, but for a while in the late 70s and early 80s, he was the biggest stand-up comedian in the world. And he talks about that um that stand-up career in this book. And it's a short book. I, I can't remember the title of it off the top of my head, but he talks about the idea of as he had done it for a number of years, he realized that it was really easy to have a great night. He said, you get in and the club, it's perfect, and the people in the club are perfect, and they're ready to laugh, and you connect with them instantly. And he said, it's really easy for anybody to be great once. He said, it's much, much harder to be consistently good. And he said what he wanted to do was be consistently good. He said any comedian anywhere in the world can be great once. It's much, much harder to be consistently good. And I, I think it's a wonderful
1: point for anything. That's a great point. It is for anything, but especially for a pastoral ministry. I, I just want to say I appreciate you, Travis, and your leadership and what I've been able to see. And and I, I have appreciated above all things the consistent Excellence with which you do your job that you've shown me. You don't have to be a pastor of 10,000 to be excellent. You can be an excellent pastor of of five or 600 and, and do it well and do it consistently well. And, and and you do hit those moments. I've, I've been in there. I've been in service when I, I just turned to Allison and I said, my God, this is great. Yeah. This is a great sermon, and you usually know it
0: when you're preaching it. Most yes. of the pastors listening, you know when
1: you're when you're hitting that. you're hitting on all the numbers. Yeah. you can feel it but but what you've done and what's but pleased us, Allison and me, and what has what has blessed your church so much is that week after week after week after week, you have a quality product in the pulpit, in the eye, I watch you talking to your people, joking with them, put your arm around the old ladies uh, and And I think to myself, this is a gifted pastor who is doing his best on a week-to-week basis uh, and and grinding it out, but grinding it out at a level of excellence that makes me very proud. Thank you. Thank you. I want to ask you a question. Will you come back and be with us again next week? Absolutely. (laughs) I I appreciate you. This is Travis Rutland. Uh, been our guest today. He's the pastor at uh, Restoration Church on Tom Miller Road in Bethlehem, Georgia, and every Sunday has service there at yeah. 1030, 1030, yes. 10.30 in the morning, one service. I would invite you to come and visit. And you can also check him out online at the Restoration um, homepage, uh, website.
0: Restorationch.org.
1: Restorationch.org. And uh, go through the archives, listen to some great sermons. And when you realize how good Travis is, I want you to say he, he must have learned this from his father. That's what I'd like for you to say. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you again for thank joining you. us for this uh, episode of The Leader's Notebook. It's been a joy to uh, interview our son Travis Rutland. Now stay tuned. I want you to get something a special offering today for this anniversary of The Leader's Notebook. Thank you and God bless you. You've been
0: listening to The Leader's Notebook with Dr. Mark Rutland. In celebration of the one-year anniversary of The Leader's Notebook, please visit the store at drmarkrutland.com. Enter promo code ANNIVERSARY25 to receive 25% off your order. Thank you for listening to The Leader's Notebook.